Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Wednesday, April the 14th, 2021. On this edition of The Politocrat, Good Cops and Bad Cops. Maybe you think there is no such thing as a good cop. Perhaps in this episode... I can tell you why there is such a good thing as a good cop. I'll explain that and more right after this. Please, knowing that there are still many, many countries that don't have the financial resources and economic power of the United States or the United Kingdom, who 90 plus percent of their populations will never ever be able to be vaccinated. Yes, there are entities trying to change that, but it's not nearly fast enough and people are dying. So with that, please, please, Please get vaccinated. Thank you. Former Buffalo police officer Carrie O'Horn is celebrating a major victory tonight. Judge Dennis Ward ruled that she is owed her full pension and more. Horn was fired after she intervened to stop another officer from using excessive force during arrest in 2006. Judge Ward also ruled today that Horn is owed two years of back pay. In his decision, he wrote, while the Eric Garners and George Floyds of the world never had a chance for a do-over, at least here, the connection and correction can be done. That was a report from a CBS affiliate, WIVB, in Buffalo, New York State. Cariel Horn, C A R I O L, Cariel Horn, H O R N E, a former police officer, she is a black woman former police officer for Buffalo's police department was fired for intervening when a white male cop was choking a black man who was in handcuffs. A black man being choked while he was in handcuffs and choked by a white male cop. Sound familiar? This episode is going to be about the good cops. Mostly, that's the focus of this episode. And the bad cops. That is less of the focus of this episode. Some people might already have blanched when they heard me say the good cops because many people would say that there is and there are no such thing as good cops. 
Why would they say that? Because when the violence happens at the hands of police against black people, when that violence takes place, the good cops do not, by and large, come out to denounce those cops who do heinous things, those bad cops as they're called. I think it's worse than them being bad cops. They're murderers. I mean, they're criminal cops. I think that that's really the language we should be using. You know I'm one, dear listener, to be focusing on language and to talk about how language is important and the kinds of language we use can, quite frankly, the language we speak in and and the terms we use are often insane considering what we are actually saying. So I do want to take this time in this episode to talk about a couple of people who actually are, in my view, good cops. And if it not had not been for them, I think we would have had more people dying, more black people dying in their departments. I will spend more of this episode talking about those cops than I will about Kim Potter, a bad cop, a trash cop, a murdering cop, a criminal cop. I'll get to her a little bit later. But the two women I'm going to talk about first are robust examples of, in my estimation, good cops. And both of those women are black women who have served with courage and distinction and who really do care about their jobs and really do care about doing the right thing. If only we could get a whole lot more like them. If only we could. Cariel Horn. As you heard in that report there, all too brief headline really. It wasn't even a report, it was a headline. Cariel Horn came across a situation in the early 2000s. And it was in 2006. And this was, well, this was really something. And it it really does echo what you are seeing now and what you know of now from May 25th, 2020, where Derek Chauvin literally murdered before your very eyes a black man in handcuffs, murdered him right before the world. It was all captured on cell phone video. We've all seen various parts of that video. 
it is probably the most watched video of anybody in history and and her story and the most watched video certainly of someone being killed in the history of the United States or any country even more watched than the Zapruder film and the Zapruder film for those of you who do not know what the Zapruder film is is the moment shot by a videographer who photographed, uh, captured on his recording device, the moments that President John John F. Kennedy, JFK, was assassinated in Dallas as his motorcade came through the Texas um, area, right through, through Dallas in Texas. This video that we've all seen another million times during the course of these last two and a half weeks in the trial of Derek Chauvin has been watched by everybody. Everybody has either seen the video or parts of it or still photos or frames or whatever it might be, but it has not gone unviewed. I don't think a person on the planet has not seen that video. So back to Carriel Horn, who in 2006 saw a fellow officer, Officer Gregory Kwiatkowski, Kwiatkowski, I'll say, put a black man in a chokehold. Grab him around the arms and neck. In a quote, bear hug headlock from behind, in quote, according to police, according to court documents. This is, I'm reading this from the New York Times now. The article is entitled, Court Vindicates Black Officer Fired for Stopping Colleagues Chokehold. When... Officer Horn saw that her partner, her fellow officer, Kwiatkowski, was doing this, grabbing this black man from behind with a bear hug headlock around his neck. By the way, this young brother, this black man, was handcuffed at the time. In the documents, according to Kwiatkowski, I don't know why we're hearing from him, but the New York Times has mentioned this. Carriel Horn struck Officer Kwiatkowski in the face. So Officer Horn, after witnessing her partner, her colleague, grabbing a handcuffed black man around the neck and shoulders in a bear hug headlock, from behind hit Officer Kwiatkowski in the face and pulled him backwards by his collar and jumped on him. That's what Officer Horn did to her fellow police officer, partner, colleague. Here's what the system did in response to that, 
According to this article in the Times, an internal investigation cleared Officer Kwiatkowski of all charges, everything. By contrast, Carriol Horn was offered a four-day suspension, and she turned that down. Then there were hearings in 2007 and 2008, and the Buffalo Police Department found that the physical force that Officer Horn used against a fellow police officer had not been justified. That's what the Buffalo Police Department said. That Carriol Horn punching or striking Officer Kwiatkowski, her fellow officer, and yanking him back as he has put a handcuffed man in a headlock, bear hug headlock from behind, around his neck, that her force was not justified. Her action was not justified. They didn't say anything about Officer Kwiatkowski. They said that there were no charges. They didn't find anything fit to charge him on because he was just handcuffing a piece of chocolate, right? He was just handcuffing a teddy bear and he was just headlocking a teddy bear. He was just headlocking a piece of cake. He wasn't doing anything. Officer Carol Horn was fired in May of 2008. Officer Kwiatkowski was promoted to lieutenant the same year. Her conduct should have been encouraged and instead she was fired, her lawyer said in an interview. W. Neil Eggleston. This is what the system does. What you just heard there from me, reading that, is an example of the barbaric system we have here in the United States that punishes people who do the right thing and rewards people who do the wrong thing. And we see this over and over and over and over and over again. You've got people like Derek Chauvin and others who keep their pensions. And Carol Horn has to fight for hers. For doing the right thing. Which tells you that we have a system and a society that is evil. That is on the side of evil. And we have a system that is racist, that is anti-black. And a system of whiteness and white dominance that is toxic, that is dangerous, that is violent, that is racist, that absolutely does not believe in doing the right thing. And does all the criminal heinous things. Can you really be proud to be an American when... Dante Wright is shot dead. 
by a 26-year police officer veteran who somehow doesn't know the difference between a taser and a gun. I'll get to her later. But can you really be proud to be an American when all of these things are going on in your country that are so heinous, that are so barbaric, that are so cruel? How in good conscience can, be, can you be proud? And what are you proud of? I think that's really the question I have for you, dear listener. If you are listening to this in the United States, what is it about the United States you're proud of? What is it about the country you're proud of? Because you can't, surely you can't be proud of what is going on with what I'm talking about, with police murdering the people they're supposed to serve and protect. Supposed to, in quotes, serve and protect, in quotes. And you know, you walk the street and you see American flags, and as a black person, your heart sinks. At least mine does. Because you wonder do the people who are draping these American flags really understand? Are they blind to what's going on right around them? Is it this empty gesture, the, the compelling need to feel that you've got to drape an American flag outside your door, outside your home, through your window? Do you know the history of the flag that you're even draping? The system does all of these things to us. Cariel Horn had to do all of these things just to stay afloat while the person whom she stopped from murdering a black man in handcuffs handcuffs, was promoted to lieutenant, sued her for defamation and won a $65,000 judgment against her. And was eventually sentenced to four months in prison for violating the civil rights of four black teenagers in 2011, or just before he retired in 2011. So the system promoted this guy, the system forced and fired, I mean, the system fired. Officer Carol Horn for preventing a murder by the state, by this cop. Stripped her of her pension while at the same time the guy that tried to kill a black man in handcuffs ended up, as I said, being promoted to lieutenant being rewarded with that promotion, getting a judgment against Carol Horn for defamation, and himself being sentenced to four months in prison 
years on. So you promote a violent person who really should not be on the force and who should be in prison. And then you give him through the courts a judgment of $65,000. He continues on as a cop having nearly killed somebody and then pleads guilty to violating the civil rights, federal civil rights of four black teenagers that he arrested. Lord knows what he did to them. I haven't researched any of it. And was sentenced to four months in prison. My question is, did he even serve any of those four months? I suspect you know what the answer may be. Or, compared to what? You know, this is what the system does. It rewards violent white men. And women. Violent white women. The officer in Minnesota or just outside Minnesota, was it Oklahoma? I forget. I always forget. It might have been Oklahoma. The officer, and I, I said, I think I said Minnesota before um, a few episodes ago, but it was Oklahoma, I think. That white female officer, she shot and killed a black man. He had his hands on his head. He was instructed to walk. And she came up and she was behind him and she pulled and she had her gun out. And she shot him in the back of his head. She didn't get any prison time. I don't think she even got indicted, actually. See how evil that is? And you're living in a country like that, and there are people who don't see anything wrong with any of that? That's an evil place to be. And you're amongst a lot of evil people. If they come up to you and tell you that Derek Chauvin did the right thing. I'll get again to the bad cops in a few moments, in a few minutes. But this is the story of Carol Horn, a really good police officer. And she had to fight for years just to get what was due her. She worked odd jobs. She was a truck driver. She sometimes lived in her car, according to the Buffalo News. Now, this is... I think of Cory Bush, who is now a member of Congress. Carol Horn had to fight like the devil just to get some semblance of a life and get her life back. She filed lawsuits. She pressured members of Buffalo City Legislature. And finally, due to her pressure and others pressuring the Buffalo City Legislature, the Buffalo Police Department adopted the rule in 2019 called the Duty to Intervene Law requiring officers to step in when one of their own used excessive force. And the actual law was really called, was called Cariol's Law, C-A-R-I-O-L, Cariol's Law. Cariol's Law, that was obviously named after 
Officer Carriol Horn. And the vote in the City Council was passed on the law. The law passed by a vote of eight to one. Eight yes votes, one no vote. I wonder who the no vote was. Who would have voted against wanting to intervene when the police are using excessive force? Who would vote against that? Someone evil and disgusting is my quick answer. Someone who has no humanity, no heart, no soul, who hates themselves and hates others and wants violence. You know, I keep saying on this uh, podcast, dear listener, that we have to act. We have to pick agenda items that mean something to us and we have to get involved in some way. We have to. And it could be donating, it could be volunteering, it could be joining an organization, it could be starting your own organization, it could be YouTube meetings where you are presenting action items and then moving forward on them and then putting that to your local government, your city government, city council, assembly, the state assembly. And regularly discussing and and producing things and then actually setting out agenda items and doing things. And then running for office if you can. It could be dog catch a school board. It could be whatever. But I think we've got to be active. I've always said this and you know. I know some of you who are really loyal listeners who know that I've said this for a long time. I've been doing this now, on this podcast at least, for over 400 days, consecutively. For the last 400 plus days, I have been doing this podcast. Every day a brand new episode. And in a lot of those days, at least over the last six months, I have been talking about this idea of an agenda that we have got to develop Back to the article, and I want to show you why I've just said that. I want you to hear why I've just said what I've just said. Darius G. Pridgen, the council president, this is in Buffalo, said a confluence of factors, including Horn's advocacy from firsthand experience and the increased scrutiny on police misconduct in the wake of Floyd's death, Mr. Floyd's death, had created an environment for action. Advocacy, increased scrutiny on police misconduct, created an environment for action. And that was, of course, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. But what I am saying is if we act, if we advocate, if we get out in the street, if we get on social media, if we build organizations and act, that's how we get the pressure on a system like this one. And we force that system to arrest its practices. Maybe not all the practices, maybe not every single thing, but we chip away brick by brick 
with our action, with our voices. We must raise our voices. And had Carriol Horn, the officer in the Buffalo Police Department, not done that, had the people around her and activists around her, around her not done that, we wouldn't have ever had Carriol's law. We wouldn't have ever had it. If Carriol Horn, Carriol Horn had not, if she had not had the courage and the conviction to stand up against a fellow cop and actually hit him and beat him and yank him away from this man that she, uh, a, a man that she was seeing being killed right before her eyes. We would have had another situation of George Floyd. So she was a hero. And these three cops in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, are cowards. And not even that, they're murderers. They stood on and sat on George Floyd. One stood metaphorically on him, Officer Tao, by standing there and telling everyone to get back, get back. There's a murder in progress. Don't you see we're trying to kill this guy? While the other two officers, one of them held his legs, George Floyd's legs down. The other one sat on his back. And then you had the number one murderer of the bunch with his knee in the neck of George Floyd for nine and a half minutes. None of those cops... Officer Tao, Officer Lane, Officer Kang had any kind of guts at all. They did not have the guts of a of an officer Carriol Horn. They didn't. Officer Horn stood up, yanked her police partner off of a man that he was clearly choking to death guy was in handcuffs even if he hadn't been in handcuffs what Kwiatkowski did was completely violent and criminal and he should have been kicked off the force not promoted to lieutenant had Carriol Horn not done any of that there would have been a death and the guy his name I think is Mac his last name is Mac was saying to, and has been saying, every day that she that he thanks her for standing up and saving his life. Because that's exactly what Carriol Horn did. Officer Horn saved the life of this brother who was being absolutely choked to death. It was happening right before her eyes. And she had a choice to make whether she would sit by and watch this happen or whether she would say, you know what? One of my colleagues is killing someone who is absolutely not posing any kind of threat. This is a murder happening right before my eyes. I'm going to save this person's life because they've got no one here who is going to step in and do that. And I am the only person who has the power and the ability to do that. 
short of the actual killer cop who is actually bear hugging around the neck a handcuffed man. He too has the power to stop it, but he didn't. So I'm going to have to do this. And her courage saved the life of another human being. Carol Horn not only saved this man's life, and forgive me, I don't have his name to hand at the minute, but she behaved like police officers should behave. She really did serve and protect. Neil Mack is the name of the person. And Neil Mack obviously thanks Carol Horn, as do I. Welcome back. So I'm going to play for you now a report from CBS this morning. This is from June uh, of, let's get the date right, June the 19th, 2020. And this is before Cariel Horn won her pension back and also got Cariel's law passed in the Buffalo City Council and legislature. So um, keep that in mind as you listen to this. But you really do have to listen to this. Uh, you really do have to hear this report because I think it's very important. It was done by Jerika Duncan, J-E-R-I-C-K-A, Duncan is their last name, who was a reporter in Buffalo but is with CBS News now and has done some good reporting over the years. I've looked at some of the things she's done and she's been really good. Um, again, I'm not the biggest fan of corporate news media at all. Um, but as I've always said to you, dear listener, there are some good people in it. Uh, who do their jobs and do them well and are decent people. Um, so I would say that Jerika Duncan is definitely one of them and she's a very good reporter. And so I want to thank her for this report in advance. And again, this is from um, June of 2020. And this is before, keep in mind, again, this is before the news of what happened yesterday, obviously, where Carol Horn ended up winning back her pension and two years and other back pay as well. Plus this law, Carol's law, actually got passed when, you know, in, the, in 2019 or 20, I guess. But anyway, um, put it this way. This is, this report you're going to hear is before Carol Horn obviously won her pension just yesterday and won her back pay. Welcome back to CBS This Morning. Nationwide protests over police brutality are putting new scrutiny on the role of officers who witness fellow officers using brutal or unnecessary force on suspects. 
Former Buffalo, New York police officer Carrie L. Horn was fired in 2008 after she says she stopped a white officer's chokehold on a black suspect in handcuffs. Now, the Buffalo City Council is asking the New York State Attorney General to investigate Horn's firing. National correspondent Jerika Duncan spoke with Horn. Jerika, good morning. Good morning. You know, I covered the case of Carrie Horn when I was a reporter in Buffalo. At the time, it didn't get national interest, but or headlines rather, but now you can see that there has been a renewed interest in the case that ended Carrie Horn's career. Looking at the video, um, it was very upsetting. And I felt that if one of those officers had stepped in, that he would be alive today. Cariel Horn, a nearly 20-year veteran of the Buffalo Police Department, says the image of George Floyd dying at the hands of police is triggering. In 2006, then-Officer Horn made headlines after intervening when she says fellow officer Greg Kwiatkowski was choking a black suspect, Neil Mack. I couldn't breathe. What was it that day that made you jump in? Neil Mack looked like he was about to die. So had I not stepped in, he, he possibly could have. He was handcuffed and being choked. The Buffalo Police Department brought disciplinary charges against Horn and fired her in 2008, a few months before she was eligible to receive a full pension. Greg Kwiatkowski sued Horn and her lawyer for defamation. In 2011, a judge found that eight statements Horn's lawyer made were defamatory and false, including the claim that Horn saved the life of a suspect who was already in handcuffs and was being choked out by Officer Greg Kwiatkowski. Neil Mack, the suspect at the center of the nearly 14-year-old case, maintains to this day that Carriel Horn saved his life. He was choking me. I was handcuffed. Carriel Horn said, you're killing him, Greg. And she reached over and tried to grab his hand around my neck. In 2012, in a lawsuit brought by Mack, a jury found no wrongdoing by the Buffalo police officers involved in his arrest. As for Greg Kwiatkowski, he was sentenced to four months in federal prison in 2018 for using unlawful and unreasonable force against four black teenagers. Unlawful, unnecessary force. The same thing that I said he did. Horn says she's turned her pain into activism. When she saw the recent video of Buffalo police pushing a 75-year-old protester to the ground, she says it was yet another trigger. So now if they can push the 75-year-old white man when it's still daylight out, just think of what they do to our young black kids at nighttime. Horn says these days she's at peace because she stands by what she did. Still, she broke down when I asked her how this has impacted her children. It's important for me to be truthful because this has been a lot of years. So when you talk about where did the raw emotion come from, it's because I have fought all of these years and tried to keep it together for my children. Horn is now fighting for her full pension. She's also pushing legislation called Carriel's Law, which she says would protect police if they intervene from being retaliated against. As for the Buffalo Police Department, they tell CBS this morning that in 2006, Officer Horn requested that her case be reviewed by an independent arbitrator. The arbitrator recommended termination after lengthy hearings, and the police commissioner at the time followed that recommendation.
Former Buffalo Police Lieutenant Greg Kwiatkowski could not be reached, and his former lawyers did not respond to our request for comment. Anthony? Jerika, thank you. Such a complicated and obviously still a lot of questions in that case. Well, I don't have any questions about this case. Do you? There's no doubt in my mind that Officer Carol Horn is a good cop. Welcome back. Carol Horn is also a good person, more importantly. And that's something that I wanted to just finish off with from that last block that I think is really important. She's a good person because before really you can be a good police officer, you really have to be a good person to begin with, don't you? I mean, you know, and all of that sacrifice she did, all of the sacrifices she made, you heard about her children, you heard about all of that and the toll it took on them and the pain and her pain and this fight for years in a system and a country that is so barbaric and its value system is so barbaric. A value system that promotes people who kill or who try to kill and then demotes and fires people or in this case fires Carol Horn who saved the life, who saved a person's life. Oh, we're going to fire you from the force. That is evil. That is inhumane. And that is a system that needs to be absolutely abolished and ended. So, you know what? When I do see people saying abolish the police, yeah. Yeah, abolish the police in the way they're behaving now, absolutely. The way they've been behaving now, the way they've been behaving for, you know, 200 years almost. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for that because that's what it's been for the last nearly 200 years, has been police doing what they're doing to us. And as you heard on that report just before the break, the Buffalo police have had a long history of this, like all these police departments in the country have. Pushing down a white, old white dude in broad daylight. And like Carol Horn said, if they're doing that to him in the daylight, what are they doing to young black kids? Well, we know what they're doing to them at night and every other moment of the day, they're murdering them. And of course, I'll get to that. But I want to spend more time on the good cops because there actually are a few of them in the world who exist. And those of you who disagree with me, please listen back to the things I've said here about Carol Horn and listen to her story and her telling it in her words. And I defy you then to tell me that she is not a good cop. And definitely I defy you to tell me that she's not a good person. Because a good person, a human being with a semblance of humanity about them and in them, would respond the way that Carol Horn did. And she didn't just stop there. She ended up pushing for a law that ended up becoming law. And in her name. And to end this kind of thing. So that police officers wouldn't be standing around watching 
their their fellow officers killing somebody and not doing anything about it. They would intervene and there wouldn't be any kind of retaliation against them for intervening. I'm telling you, it's a system pun- that that is rewarding people who kill. And when all these police officers don't go to prison, don't even get indicted, don't get a sniff of indictment, don't get to go to jail, don't get anything, don't get to go to prison at all. Of course the system's working just the way it was intended to. To defend and protect white people who murder black people. System's working just fine. So it's not about fixing a system or reforming it. It's about getting rid of it and putting a system in that values black life. And a system that reflects that value. Not just in its laws, not just in its policing, but in its behavior and in its culture and in the culture of a whole country. And you've got to change that too. So Carrie Horn is a good cop. I defy anybody to tell me that she is not after what you heard and what you hear and what you know about Carrie Horn. That is a good cop. And there are a few of them who exist on this planet. And they are few and far between, but they do exist. And I am fed up of hearing about the vast majority of police. Well, the vast majority of police don't do what this next police officer and her organization does. I want you to meet Cheryl Orange. Cheryl Orange is a lieutenant. She's a longtime member of the Ethical Society of Police. And she is part of the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. And she served as a police officer for over 30 years. She has been a member of the Ethical Society of Police for over 30 years. I want you to listen to this. Police and protesters. It seems like them and us. On one side, there are those who say, abolish and defund. On the other, there are the police unions who think the police officers can't do no wrong. One side says, black lives matter. The other, blue lives matter. But what about us, who are both black and blue? I'm a police lieutenant in the city of St. Louis. I have been on the job for just about 32 years. St. Louis has one of the highest rates of police shootings in the country, and black mistrust of police runs deep. That ignited the fire of them versus us. That's a picture of Officer Darren Wilson. Happy Alive Day, Darren. Post by the business manager for the St. Louis Police Union. The implication being not so happy Alive Day for Mike Brown. 
It continues the us versus them. Police unions are growing furious at calls for reform. The police union is defending the actions of officers seen on video. The reason why they are allowed to keep their jobs is because of the police union. The reputation of most unions is that they uphold the officers in their wrongdoing. We will defend these police officers. Deadly force in that situation was absolutely justified without a shadow of doubt in my mind. The community, look at it as the unions don't stand united no matter what they do. But we have two unions in St. Louis the St. Louis Police Officers Association. And then the second one is called the Ethical Society of Police. And that's what we should be. As police officers, we should be ethical. We are different from other unions. Yes, there is systemic racism, and this is how I'm going to fight it. If something is wrong, we say it's wrong. We came to the decision that we need to support a conviction of Jason Stockley for murder. We stand on truth, what's right and what is just. And when you do that, you have better relationships with your community. Now, I tell you, ethical, we're not perfect. Sometimes we make mistakes. He was a very active member with the organization, did a lot of good work. The organization felt that he was wrong. It was not justified. We had to say, hey, we love you. We care about you, but we can't support the behavior. Sure, we have loyalty. We want to back each other up. But at the same time, I can't back you when you're doing something wrong. The union should lean to what's right. Not what's loyal. George Floyd, he was murdered on my birthday. And for me to sit and watch that officer with his knee to Mr. Floyd's neck was totally devastating for me. And in that moment, that's when I felt us versus them, because George Floyd looked like me. To heal that divide is gonna take a lot. And we as law enforcement, it's our responsibility. Unions across the country can change by following our lead. First, we need to get out there and apologize. We gotta be accountable for what we do. That's the only way we can begin to heal the divide. That was Lieutenant Cheryl Orange, and I am moved by her. And uh, she is still the uh, lieutenant, uh, a lieutenant in the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department out there in St. Louis. I've spoken a lot about St. Louis lately. Um, they're, you know, a, a place that has so much racist history, a history of racism, as does everywhere in the United States and everywhere in the UK as well. Listen, uh, the United States is not the only country, but 
But it's not about what's the only and what's the other countries. It's about the focus here, which is the United States in this particular episode and specifically the police and the good cops and bad cops. And Cheryl Orange is um, in St. Louis. St. Louis, as we know, has this history of violence and racist violence and uh, some of the things you couldn't really, um, you can't see because you're listening to it. But the video of this um, shows you some, some of the images are disturbing images somewhat for sure. And, you know, Michael Brown, I talked about him. Um, you met, you heard Darren Wilson's name, um, the cop that murdered, Dara, that murdered Michael Brown. And there's images of Michael Brown in the street. I told you about him um, being left lying in the street in St. Le- in Ferguson, Missouri, um, for hours. I mean, eight, nine, ten hours in broad daylight. This is evil. This is so evil. And so Cheryl Orange is a hero. Cheryl Orange is the definition of a good cop. Standing up, holding people accountable. She's part of a police union, the ethical society of police who are doing that, who are speaking out. So there are cops who speak out against all of this heinous, heinous police behavior, murdering people. I mean, murderers, these police murderers. And you've got police unions that love that. Oh, yeah, back them. Endorsing this, supporting it. And you've got the Ethical Society of Police who say, no, we are not going to back people who are murderers. We, we don't believe in backing murderers. We believe in backing what's right and what's just. We don't believe in backing evil. We believe in backing good and people who do good things. We believe in backing good cops. We don't believe in backing and supporting bad cops, cops who kill, cops who murder, cops who lie, cops who do all kinds of garbage. Cops who torture. We don't believe in backing that. But these white police unions do. They're all too happy to support people who do that. But when a black cop goes to a situation and he shoots a white woman in Minnesota, Mohammed Noor and Justine DeMond, who was murdered, killed. You don't see these police unions standing up for his ass. He goes to the slammer. He gets punished. At least 10 years in prison. I don't know if he's going to serve all 10, but something tells me that he, as a black man, as a Somali-American cop in Minnesota, is going to serve that time. Even if he exhibits good behavior, he's still serving those 10 years. And trust me, 10 years is a short amount of time. But he's going to serve every one of those days, every last one of them. The victim in that case, to remind you again, was a white woman. And had the victim in that case been a black woman, it may be an open question as to whether Muhammad Noor would even see the inside of a prison cell. Or even be indicted. Cheryl Orange is a good cop. Cheryl Orange is a good person. And I want, again, someone to tell me that she's not. 
someone to tell me that she's not a good cop. These police unions have too much power. And we have to really look at them and stop funding them. I don't know how these people are getting funded, if it's privately or publicly or both. But these police unions need to heal and they need to be brought to heal because these people are a bunch of criminals in these police unions. Pat Lynch of the PBA in New York, the Policeman's Benevolent Association. How benevolent are you when you keep backing murderers in your uniform? And all these other police... You've got the Minnesota Police Union guy. I don't know if he's still there or if he stepped down. This is a guy, I think he did. This is a guy that's a KKK supporter. This is a guy that was, oh yeah, Trump this, Trump that. This is a guy who was publishing all kinds of racist stuff. This was around the time that George Floyd was murdered by Derek Chauvin. And this guy was the one who was saying all these racist things. Police... Union president, who I think was a member of the Klan as well. It's in 2020, not 1915 or 1943 or 1928 or 1952. It's in 2020. This stuff has never gone away. And you've got all of these police union people who are criminals. They're racist, they're violent, they're criminals. And so up against that, you've got the ethical society of police. And as Cheryl Orange, who's been a member of that union now for over 30 years, says, there's been, of course, there's been an incident here or there, one incident where there was a member who was not so ethical, who in the video that you wouldn't have been able to see, obviously, but I'm going to post in the newsletter, which you should please subscribe to at politocrat.substack.com. Clearly talks, clearly is seen on the video, beating somebody. And they had to fire him. They had to let him go. He's not part of that union. And I think he lost his job too. A black male cop. And, and he should. You should be losing your job. I don't care if the cop's a black cop or a white cop. There have been black cops who have shot dead people. Sean Bell was shot dead, a black man, just hours away from getting married. And he was shot something like 40-odd times in the back of a car by cops, by black cops. This is about police. Now, of course, it's mostly white cops who do these things. But this is all about a system that rewards violence against black people and against anybody who is in a situation where they cannot defend themselves or are completely vulnerable. Cheryl Orange is a true good person and a good police officer. She's a lieutenant. She's been a lieutenant for a number of years. She is somebody who we should be talking about when we talk about good cops. Because yes, I agree, there's a lot of bad cops out here. And I also agree that there are a few good ones. The good ones are the ones who actually stand up and fight back. The good ones are not the ones that sit back and say nothing. 
they are bad cops. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they do, whether they whether they do their jobs well. If you do not speak out and stand up against a Derek Chauvin, a Darren Wilson, a Daniel Pantaleo, a Brett Hankerson, a Kim Potter, by definition, you're a bad cop, in my view. You cannot be calling yourself a good cop and you stay silent when police officers are killing people. I mean, this is just part of the culture, isn't it? Just part of the culture. You know, this whole idea of we don't, we hate rats. This is the whole American culture. And in fact, the English culture and other cultures. Ooh, we don't like people who squeal. We don't like rats. What is that? What is that culture? Snitches get stitches. What is that culture that we're embedded in? Or that's embedded in us? Cheryl Orange is a true hero. And I think somebody who should be getting lots more attention. This is from the New York Times again. I just played you audio from video entitled I'm in a police union that holds bad cops accountable by Cheryl Orange. C-H-E-R-Y-L. Last name spelled the same way as the fruit. I really, I, I want to now contact Cheryl Orange, the Lieutenant Orange, Lieutenant Cheryl Orange, and say to her, thank you. She may be on social media. I, I want to reach out to her. And I'm telling you, you should be reaching out to her and saying something positive to her and saying that you support her. Same thing with Carrie L. Horn. I don't know if she is on social media or not, but if she is, send her a nice note and thank her for, for her work and support her. This takes a lot out of a person to be relentlessly over and over and over. And I am saying to you, dear listener, that we just have to put some agenda items out and meet and put a couple of things together to advocate for the things we hold dear. That may be five minutes, that may be half an hour, maybe an hour of your very busy time. What both Carol Horn and Cheryl Orange are doing, have been doing, has been decades of fighting, of changing, of trying to change a culture, or in fact, even more than that, proactively creating something different as a counter to a dead and death, D-E-A-T-H, culture. And it really is important that this is happening. And both of these are black women. If there are good cops in this world, dear listener, they are certainly named Carol Horn and Cheryl Orange, Lieutenant 
Cheryl Orange. Omar Moore here from the Politocrat Daily Podcast with this very important message to stop hate against the AAPI communities, stop the violence and stop the hate against Asian American Pacific Islander communities. This call is an urgent call. Please visit hate. Dot O-R-G. Great. Well, I hope that since she went ahead and she resigned again, that they hold her at the highest at the highest because she was the law she was the law right protect and serve put her in jail like they would do any one of us that was Naisha Wright the aunt of Dante Wright yesterday at a press conference outdoors um, responding to the news that Officer Kim Potter, the white female officer who murdered, let's just look at it frankly, murdered 20-year-old boy, a 20-year-old boy named Dante Wright, murdered him, killed him, that she resigned her position as a 20-plus-year veteran of the Minneapolis, excuse me, the Brooklyn Center, Minnesota Police Department. This is... uh, This is the very least of it. You know, when, when Naisha Wright says, put her in prison, yeah. And I would go even further than that. Make sure she doesn't get a pension. Make sure she doesn't get her benefits. Make sure she doesn't get any of that. And just absolutely hold that from her so she never gets it. I mean, if Carol Horn, who is a good cop, had to fight like hell just to get her pension back and fight like hell just to get all this back pay, two years of back pay given to her, Why should a murderer, Kim Potter, get to keep her pension? Why? Kim Potter is an example of a bad cop. She is the rule and not the exception. And Kim Potter a white female, as I said earlier, is somebody who has made it very clear that she isn't sorry for what she did. No remorse at all. And I remember 
back in 1989 and 1990 and into 1991 when the five boys, black and Latino, the exonerated five were on trial years and years ago back then in New York, in Central Park for the, for the beating of a jogger and a, a violent rape and attack on a jogger. Or all rape is violent. I'm simply saying that they were on trial for that. And everybody was saying to them, show some remorse, show some remorse. And one of them, I remember at the time, might have been you, it might have been Yusuf Salam, who said, how can I show remorse for something I didn't do? I'm sorry that, that she went through all of this traumatic hurt and pain and attack. I didn't do it. So I'm not going to show remorse for something I didn't do. And people jumped on him, jumped on all of them. And here's someone who actually killed somebody who doesn't show any kind of remorse, who doesn't show any kind of feeling. And where's the call against her to show remorse? I mean, there's some people on social media who are tweeting it and saying it to show some remorse. But what about all these people in the media and all these people in high-profile positions? They're all quiet. This is the resignation letter that Kim Potter released yesterday. Dear Mayor Elliot, Mr. Edwards and Chief Gannon, I am tendering my resignation from the Brooklyn Center Police Department effective immediately. I have loved every minute of being a police officer and serving this community to the best of my ability, but I believe it is in the best interest of the community, the department, and my fellow officers if I resign immediately. Sincerely, Officer Kim Potter. Now, wait a minute, folks. Nowhere in there. I'll just put it this way. Did you hear anything about, I'm sorry? Did you hear anything about, this was an accident? Did you hear anything about, I am sorry for the loss of Dante Wright? No, no, and no. You did not. Because she didn't write that in this resignation letter that I just read to you. She didn't put that in there. Those words do not appear in her resignation letter. And I think it's very clear that she has absolute contempt for Dante Wright, for his family. Remember, Dante Wright was left. This is not getting reported enough. Dante Wright's dead body was left on the ground out there in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota for at least six hours. And all you're hearing about is how accidental everything is. And this is a former cop now who is telling you in her resignation letter that she loved every minute. These are her words, quote, I have loved every minute of being a police officer. That means she also loved being a police officer when she killed Dante Wright. And maybe that even further translates to she loved the fact that she killed 
Dante Wright. Kim Potter is the definition of a bad cop. And even more than saying that, she's a criminal cop. And saying more than that still, she's a criminal. And she is an evil person. And a sociopath. And a psychopath. And to offer a resignation letter and not even acknowledge your actions is so heinous and so psychopathic. And pretending that you're just resigning because you need to resign. And if you even say, but I believe it is in the best interest of the community. Why? Why is it in the best interest? of the You don't even mention why. That is, you don't acknowledge your own actions. You don't acknowledge anything. You're dead inside. You're dead inside. And I can hear my fellow members of my legal, of the legal profession. I can hear my fellow colleagues saying, well, Omar, the reason why she's not saying anything is because there's a pending. There's surely going to be a pending action against her. Even if that is true, and we don't know that yet, but even if that were true. Right. If you were a decent person, you don't have to say, well, I didn't do it. You can just simply because she clearly did do it. She murdered Dante Wright. All you have to say is, I'm so sorry. That a family has lost somebody. All you have to say is. I want to do everything to. Satisfy the community that I've served for over 26 years. And I think that the best way to do that is to say, I apologize for this family's loss. What's wrong with saying that? That doesn't incriminate her, does it? If she says, I'm sorry for the loss that they have suffered, does that implicate her? Does that, is that an example of her admitting guilt? Is that an example of her admitting that she did anything? Is that an example of her saying, I did it? Now, even if she says, I'm sorry that a family has lost someone. And maybe that's not enough for you or some people who may be listening to this. But even if she says that. There is at least a semblance and recognition of humanity and of a recognition in herself that something has happened here. Someone has lost a son, a, a father, a brother, a friend. And Kim Potter doesn't have that humanity. She doesn't have it. And she, by the way, was also the president of a police union. It may have been in Brooklyn Center. So isn't that interesting? I've been talking about police unions on this episode. And voila, Kim Potter, who shot and killed, murdered, Dante Wright, was also the president of a police union. Isn't that special? Why am I not surprised?
given what you know about police unions and what I've discussed here. Kim Potter is garbage. And one of the things I said on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L last night, and I was not happy. And why would I be? Why should you be when you, when you see this scumbaggery going on? I said, in part, in one of my tweets on Twitter, at the popcorn, R-E-E-L, that notice when a white person is a killer and has clearly killed someone or is accused, but especially if they've clearly done it, they always release these smiley face pictures of them. Always. Almost all the time. Almost all the time. Whether it's mass shootings, whether it's killing one of us. I mean, especially in the cases of killing one of us as black people. They always are. You always get to see these smiley face pictures of the white assassin, the white killer. And then when we are six feet under, the pictures of us who've been killed by these so-called smiley faced white assassins are the most unflattering pictures of us as if we've done something wrong. We've ended up six feet under. And while that's been going on, you've got defense attorneys in court bashing us, the dead people in our communities. Bashing us. Oh, well, he caused his own death, not my client, not the defendant. Trayvon Martin. Oh, he had some PCP or some kind of drug in his system. So it was okay for George Zimmerman to blow him away. That's what the thinking is out there amongst a lot of people and amongst the people who perpetuate this nonsense and this racist garbage. Kim Potter represents what the police are. Kim Potter represents what the police are and why lots of people in this country are saying defund the police, are saying abolish the police because this ain't working. This ain't working. Too many black families and too many brown families have had to bury loved ones. And nothing is changing, you know, nothing. And it ain't changing fast enough if you think it's changing. What definitely isn't changing is the body count, the number of black people who are murdered by police every year. In Minnesota, there have been at least 500, around 450, just under 500 cases of police killing black people in Minnesota over the last 20 years. So when people ask, well, what's going on with the Minnesota Police Department? I'm telling you what's going on. It's, it's clear what's going on. And it ain't reform. Minnesota, as I said to you before, dear listener, in previous episodes, has had a long history of this, as have lots and lots and dozens and hundreds of police departments around the country have had long, decades, centuries-long histories of killing black people and not having any kind of justice for those families of those dead black people. 
long history of this in Minnesota. This dates back to the 1850s. This dates back to the 1860s and 70s. Again, I keep telling you, these police departments were formed from enslavement patrols. Formed from those patrols that would go out and hunt down black people. Hunt like they're dogs, right? Hunt them down. Oh, you left, you escaped. Massa's employee, employee wasn't it? You weren't paid. He wasn't getting paid. She wasn't getting paid. So the enslavement master, so to speak, master in quotes, would issue the slave patrol. Go, go get him. Go get her. Go get him. They escaped. I can't function without them. Go get them. And when they were when they were found, they were killed. Or they were severely tortured. Whipped, brutalized, beaten. Castrated, disemboweled. This is the history of the United States, you know. This is the history of America, you know. I'm not making this up. And that's where Kim Potter comes from. That's the tradition she comes out of. That's the tradition Derek Chauvin comes out of. That's the tradition that Darren Wilson comes out of. Daniel Pantaleo comes out of. Brent Brett Hankerson comes out of. And by the way, the cop that shot Jacob Blake Jr. eight times in his back or seven times in his back, oh my goodness, I've lost count. How many bullets at close range in the back of Jacob Blake Jr. leaving him paralyzed? That guy, Rushin Shetsky, that cop, that white male cop, you know what happened to him? He's back on the force now after his uh, suspension or whatever the heck it was. He's back on the force. Back to work yesterday, according to published reports. And you've got a young brother named Jacob Blake Jr., who is paralyzed from the waist down and will be that way for the rest of his life. Ruchinshetsky is a bad cop and the system is a bad cop. That's the issue. The system is the problem that foments and encourages this, that authors this, that absolutely endorses and is this. And Kim Potter and Russian Shetsky, R-U-S-H-E-N, Shetsky, and all of these other killer cops or people who try to kill who are cops are really part of a system that is all about killing black people and brown people. And the police unions are part of that system. The justice system, in quotes, is part of that system when they don't convict these cops, when these cops aren't even indicted by the district attorneys. That's where this all lies. So you've got the good cops, like Officer Carol Horn and Lieutenant Cheryl Orange, and you've got the bad cops, like Kim Potter, a white female cop who somehow 
with her 26 years on the force, doesn't know the difference between a taser and a gun. Give me a break. New York Times then writes up an article. Ooh, how can someone mistake a gun and a taser? And so there's a big article on that now. I mean, oh gosh, please. I mean, I get it. I understand. But why is there even a discussion about this? It's really obvious and clear what's going on here. I mean, this isn't a case of Buffalo Springfield. This is very clear what's going on here. There's a man with a gun over there. There's a woman with a gun over there telling me and you as black people that we've got to be where. And I do think it's time we stop and say, hey, what the hell is that sound? Everybody look at what's going down. It's time to wake up, folks. And it's time for us to act and to treat each other with decency and humanity and compassion and love and educate ourselves. The time is now. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. Say his name! Dante Wright! Say his name! Dante Wright! They murdered my nephew! She killed my nephew! Listen! Every pistol, every taser, mm-hmm. it has a safety on it. Mm-hmm. She saw that she had to release that. I watched that video like everybody else watched that video. That woman held that gun out in front of her for a long damn time. Yes, a long damn time. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. My nephew was 20 years old. Tell him 20 years old. I don't care what nobody got to say about him. He was loved. Yes. He was ours. He came from us. My brother and my sister is hurt. Like I said, this is no broken home. This is no broken home. This is 23 years of love. 23. My nephew was 20. Did y'all not see my little great nephew? Did y'all not see that beautiful baby? He is fatherless. Not over a mistake, over murder. That's murder. Murder. Say his name. Dante Wright. Say his name. Dante Wright. I wear this shirt. And the craziest thing is to find out today that my family has connections to this man, to this family. His girlfriend was a teacher for my nephew. My Lord. My nephew was a lovable young man. His smile. Oh, Lord, the most beautiful smile. Y'all took that. 
Several hours after the recording of this episode of the Politocrat Daily Podcast came the news that Kim Potter had been charged with second-degree manslaughter by the Washington County's District Attorney in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, and that she was arrested. More on this in the newsletter and on tomorrow's episode.